And I think most of those issues come back to the culture. The culture isn't set up correctly. You don't have the right people. You don't have the right knowledge. You don't have the right workflows. And sometimes you just have too many jerks who need to have their hands in the cookie (laughs) jar. Hey, hey, friends. On today's episode, we talk through what it takes to create a content performance culture. What is it? Why do you need it? And how do you help create it at work to support your own brand storytelling growth journey? My guest, Christoph Trapp, is the host of the Business Storytelling Podcast. He's a global top 14 content marketer, top 40 B2B marketer, top 100 CX thought leader, and top 24 digital marketer. He's ran integrated marketing campaigns across many industries, including healthcare, SaaS, information technology, nonprofits, and publishing. In his career, he's led teams of journalists, content creators, strategies, and designers to successfully drive results. And he's with us today to share his insights. This is Marketing with Empathy, the podcast for content marketers that want to connect with their audience through brand storytelling and need help doing it better. Plus, earn the recognition, growth, and personal happiness that comes from creating valuable content. My name is Sarah Panous, and I've spent the last 20 years leading successful editorial brand storytelling strategies, generating millions in revenue, growing teams, removing silos inside companies, and helping grow storytelling functions. Overall, my mission is simple, to make people's days better by creating useful and more meaningful connections between brands and consumers. How? By using the power of empathy and data-infused storytelling to improve the lives of both the content marketing professionals creating the content and the people their brands serve. Think of it like a creative content marketing jam session mixed with chicken soup for the soul. And if you like what you learned today and you want to join a free community with other like-minded brand storytelling strategists, join us over at the new Marketing with Empathy Facebook group. We'd love to have you there. But for now, let's hear from today's sponsors and then get into learning what it means to create a content performance culture. All right, Christoph. So tell us first then, what exactly is a content performance culture? Sarah, today people want content and marketing in general to perform, right? But there are ways to actually get there. And what I've seen is you have to create the right culture. You know, you hear people talk about companies need the right culture to, you know, work-life balance, et cetera. And the same is true for content performance as well. Our podcast will not perform if we can't even get it out of the door because we're so hung up on who is right about which um and ah to edit out of it. Same goes for articles, any content, collateral, blog posts, you name it. So we have to figure out what is the right culture? How do we approve things? How do we collaborate? I mean, I grew up in a world where, you know, whoever was the highest ranking person had the best answer. And as we all know, that's not always the case, right? I mean, all kinds of people have good ideas and right. and you have to figure out a way to collaborate and move forward together. At the end of the day, we want content to perform. Why are we writing these articles if they don't perform? Well, one problem with that sometimes is that somebody heard something. You know, if we, if we blog today, it's going to work, and then they don't do it correctly. And, and I think most of those issues come back to the culture. The culture isn't set up correctly. You don't have the right people. You don't have the right knowledge. You don't have the right workflows. And sometimes you just have too many jerks who need to have their hands in the cookie jar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so essentially, then, it's creating this culture 
where you're setting your content up for success because you've thought of all the things that will lead to the process from start to finish to be able to perform and do well. So why do you think companies need it? Are you seeing that they're not doing it well? Like expand more on that. Well, I mean, it depends on the company setup too, right? If it's just me by myself and I don't ever talk to anybody else, you don't need a culture, right? Like I'll get along with myself. But if you are working in a team, you have to figure out how do people work best together? And it just doesn't work anymore just to throw stuff over the wall. You have to truly collaborate. And that's where I've seen some of the best content happen. They have to build on each other's ideas and then they have to do them. You know, you, you don't even want to see, Sarah, how many ideas I have for content projects. I will never get to them. I could hire <laughs> 30 people and I'll never get to them. Do you know what I mean? So, yep. so we have to pick the right ideas and then we have to move them forward. And this is, I think, what a good content performance culture actually does is they find ways to publish. I'll give you an example. Uh, web stories, right? If you listen to the, the Marketing O'Clock podcast and Barry Schwartz when it first came out, they were talking about what are web stories, you know, and will they help with SEO? And I know they help with SEO for a fact. I have the numbers, but nobody's doing them. So I'm doing them, right? I'm, I'm producing them. I'm trying different things. And But you have to be in a company, you have to be empowered to try those different things. You have to be empowered to reach out to the right people. I'll give you an example on my blog, ChristophTrap.com, which again, it's just me, but you know, I just do them. But if I was in a company, I might need help from the design team, right? Because the web stories are highly visual, typically. They're basically, if you don't know what a web story is, anyone listening, it's basically like a TikTok or an Instagram story, quite frankly, except it's housed on a website. So if you are searching for that topic, you have a chance to actually show up. And it, it does look kind of nice. I think the Washington Post, maybe the New York Times, they do a feature that kind of looks like a web story, right? You just kind of click through it. It's not actually an article mm -hmm. in the traditional sense. So you have to figure out how do you get people to try those different things? And I'm not a fan of quantity over quality, but I was just reading Teresa Torres's book and she doesn't talk about content strategy, but she talks about understanding your customer. How do you learn the, the, the habits to do that? And she says, quantity leads to quality. Now, on the content strategy side, that's not always 100% true because at the end of the day, if you're only creating crap, right, at some point, <laughs> it's not going to get better. Right. But since we can measure everything now, and if I can create more content and I can refine it as I go, at some point, I will get something that's a home run, right? It's just, it's, uh, I'm going to say it's a given, but it's almost a given if you do uh, the basics right. But, but companies struggle with that, I think, to get the right volume and uh, get to publishing. I think that's the thing with that. I would say from just my experience being on corporate is you just have to have the courage to keep trying. And so I would agree with that statement in terms of the quantity of just at least do it, get it out there and learn from it. I have lived both camps and I've lived in the camp where it was like quantity, like push, 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 like create tons and then we'll optimize and pick what works the best and then go from there. And it, it creates a lot of unnecessary stress on the organization, on the team, I feel like, because it, 
of how functionally that operates. I land in the middle where you need to have the quantity, yes, to like get it out there and learn and create and optimize and see what your audience is reacting to. Because I think a lot of times there's paralysis with perfectionism in organizations and with leaders that are the approvers. and, And it's like, you just need to learn, folks. You just need to get it out there and you will keep getting better over time. So I would agree with that part of it. And you know what's interesting about that too is, so for example, at Vox Pop Me, you know, my day job, we create all kinds of content all the time, but we don't force it, Mm -hmm. right? And I think like, if this topic doesn't work, we're not going to force it because we need that piece of content today. And I think when you were just talking about quantity on the total extreme, I mean, I've heard of companies and, and even news sites where, where content creators have quotas, you know, yeah, one article a day or whatever it might be, or two articles or three for media companies. And well, you know what happens when you have goals like that? I mean, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about creating just to be creating, but create at the right interval so you can try to hit that performance. And I think that's a different, that's a very different culture from what I grew up in, mm-hmm. you know, where it was like, this has to be perfect. And even then it wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just read an article again the other day from 22 years ago, a guy who actually had it framed. And mm-hmm. I said, oh my goodness, that opening paragraph could use some work. <laughs> <laughs> We're always going to be like that. It's human nature. And we evolve and we get smarter with time and we listen to podcasts like this where we get great advice. <laughs> so then, Christoph, what steps do you recommend to create a better culture so that the content can perform Well, first of all, you have to understand yourself as a leader, right? How do you work as a leader? How do you perform best? Where are your strengths? And then you need to figure out who do you need on the team and how do you actually get those roles in place? And also, who do you already have? I mean, I've actually seen teams that completely restructured without anybody leaving, which is just crazy if you think about it, right? But they had all the right skills. They just weren't necessarily in the right spots, so to speak. So you need to figure that out. Who can do what? Who is good at what? And how do they complement each other? Uh, and sometimes complement, right? Yeah. That's easier to write than to say. But so you have to figure that out. And sometimes, you know, as you say, maybe you have to bring in an outside person that can write certain things or can do certain things. I mean, I still remember when I when I stood up the content team at MedTouch, we had outside editors. You know, the actual person editing was a contractor. Because what we were trying to do is figure out who could do what and how do we, you know, make things work. So you have to kind of think about that. And then, you know, I think technology is a great piece today. Think about what we're doing. I mean, this would have not been nearly as easy 15 years ago. Now you can do live streams. You can use tools like Canva to create simple things, which doesn't mean you don't need a designer. You probably do need a designer for other things. So you have to kind of figure out how do you make up the team and what are your goals and what are you trying to go after? I think the goal thing when it comes to content performance is one of the biggest. I had a guest. She talked about how she went into a company and the COO goes, we need 7,000 leads. And and she's just like, where'd you even get that number? (laughs) Like how many people are in this market? So you have to figure out what are the goals and how do you measure them and how do you show them? And trust me, we want leads. We want revenue. We want all that. So, Christoph, how do you know it's working? What advice or what markers would you advise my listeners to be thinking about and be aware of? 
So it really does start with, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? Is this an SEO strategy? Is it a PR strategy? Is it a lead generation strategy? And they all kind of go hand in hand, of course. But at the end of the day, you want to look at all those different metrics. I'll give you an example. I think it was the Search Engine Journal podcast where they were talking about how they put up the metrics from Google Search Console. And it said, 2 million impressions or something, but they just kind of glazed over it because lead generation people don't care about that. And then they said, here's how many clicks and here's how many conversions. And the PR people in the room said something like 2 million impressions. Holy cow. What does that mean? Right. Because they care, right? They want that reach. So my point is find those numbers that you are going to measure against and then put them in a dashboard like Google Data Studio. The other thing I really want to caution people on is you have to be realistic. What is currently working in B2B? I'll give you an example. B2B, the average blog post has like 58 views, <laughs> right? Yeah. And this is a this is from a guy that that you know, I make my living basically in content marketing and content strategy. The average isn't very good. But my point is if you have an article that has 300 views out of the gate from organic and organic search and other places, that is pretty good, you know? And then you also have to be aware of how big is your audience. So if you're in a, let's say you're in a B2B market with a very, very niche audience, you're not going to get those 2 million views on your video, right? So you have to be aware, how big realistically is my, my market? What's actually an industry standard? What are we seeing working with other companies? What are some some of these reports saying? So I think it's really important to just kind of have an idea of what's realistic and then, you know, make sure people understand that. And and I'm always a big fan of saying, look at this article taken off. And just a reminder, uh, this is the industry standard and we're way above that. Mm -hmm. Context helps for sure. The other tip I was going to share was and ask you if you've seen this too, is from my experience, I've seen it done both ways. And so I've, I have an opinion on which way I actually builds a better content performance culture and team, which is a lot of times, you know, companies are just working with what they got, working with the people they have. And so to your point and your tip of like, what are the strengths and, and what do you need? My recommendation is to design the team and the strengths and things that you need based on what you need, not necessarily the people you have. So it sounds a little cold to say it that way, but let me just explain. Because what I find is sometimes you may know that you need like some certain role, but nobody in your team right now really has that, right? And that was to your point where you can bring in outside help or you can hire to bring in a full-time person, either whether it's a consultant or a full-time headcount. But what I found is when you kind of try to piecemeal the best practice of what you actually need, you sort of get piecemealed results. But when you actually build the structure of the ideal scenario of what you need, and then you fill that again with like the strengths on your team, and then backfill it with consultants or full-time headcount that has those, then suddenly you've created this best-in-class like function that can then lead to that culture that you're describing, Krista, to help that grow within your organization. It's hard sometimes because you want to just like fit it in or teach the person how to do it. And a lot of times you can, like a lot of times people do have the aptitude that they can learn, but there's a lot of times I've seen too, where that takes too long. 
you maybe it doesn't happen the way you want. And so then that person is unhappy in their role. You're unhappy with the results. And so you're not driving the the progress that you need. Build the structure of like what you actually need and then fill it with like your people versus trying to just hodgepodge it because you'll you, you're never going to get like the best results when you hodgepodge it. What do you think? Have you seen that play out in your experience at all? Well, I, I think that's a very interesting discussion because in, in theory, I agree with you 100%. In practice, I think the problem you run into, it depends on how big the team is. It depends on the willingness of leadership to actually make changes, mm-hmm. right? True. Um, so for example, if let's say I come in and there's 100 people on the on the wider marketing team or whatever, and I'll say, oh, well, this is the structure we should create and none of you fit in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally... It's going to be an uphill <laughs> battle, right? Yeah. So you kind of have to figure out how do you make that work? How big is the team? It's also an uphill battle if you don't have the right people, yeah. right? So it's kind of like, and I think this is probably why people struggle with it, because you have to kind of pick pick your battles. And then depending on the personalities, I mean, you know, I've seen teams where you try to do what, you, what, what I described, right? Which is kind of opposite from what you're advocating for is you try to make it work with who you have, and then some of those people become complete obstructionists, right? <laughs> because yeah. first of all, they're not the right people. Second of all, they don't want to change. And third of all, they're just going to hold on to whatever they currently have as long as they can. So in a perfect world, you would just draw it up from scratch and then say, you know, here's where everybody could potentially fit. And then maybe some people don't have a role. But I think the the other thing to think about is what's your tolerance for the content so i'll give you an example you can hire people that can go really deep on something and they're really good at something right they can create these rock star videos uh creative designs whatever it might be or let's say they're really really fantastic writers but you can also have a team that can go very deep but that can go pretty far and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not a video producer, but I do produce some videos. They're not like anywhere close to the level of my video producer doing it, right? But I also do some designs. Some of them are templated. I'm not a designer, nowhere near what my designer actually can do. Um, I also, you know, produce the podcast and the live stream, the business storytelling show. And I'm not even a podcast host, but I've learned how to do some of that. So I think you have to kind of weigh where you really need to go deep and where what you have will work for what you're trying to do without saying this is not as good as it could be. I think the big tip, though, is as a leader, you need to kind of think of your blueprint of ideally what you would want. And if you can't hire for it right away or bring in contractors to help consult on it, at least know what the ideal setup would be. And then that can help you know what your North Star is, which will help with your professional development on your team, like things that you offer them to help up-level their skills. But you're right. It's not like all perfect and you can go out and get the right people. And that's definitely not what I meant from that standpoint. But like think about the ideal that you need versus tying your hands behind your back with what you only have. Blueprint is really a good thing too, because I mean, I was just thinking of an example the other day and part of my blueprint, uh, we should be doing this one thing next. Well, it didn't actually happen right? When it was supposed to happen. But then about six months later, it literally happened without even being mentioned the same way. So the point is, 
you're going after the same thing and how you get there exactly is, you know, up for debate and how long it takes. And I think that's some companies struggle with that too, that how much time do you have and how much, um, how much runway do you have? So you do need some quick successes. I think you can get them if you just kind of get out there and, and, and publish content and have a strategy. I think you need to see the value. I think you need to figure out how do you implement it and see it as a long-term strategy. As we're wrapping up, Christoph, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, please connect at ChristophTrap.com. That's my blog. Uh, there's also a link to the business storytelling show. That's my podcast. Comes out every few days uh, talking about anything from how to create content performance cultures. How do you tell better stories as a business? How do you move forward? It's now also available on TV, DB TV. Uh, so we actually do it. There's a video version and then there's uh, the audio version, of course, on the more traditional channels. And again, Sarah, I'm kind of living what I'm preaching right with mm -hmm. that because how do i get that podcast to perform even better well now i put it on tv right mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen next uh, I, there's something with the metaverse that i haven't gotten to yet but uh, i just saw that um apple ios 16 now has um, spatial audio which is kind of a metaverse thing so at some point there's some next step to squeeze even more out of that podcast when it comes to reaching people. Cool. Interesting. I know I'm super curious about Metaverse and Web 3.0 and all the things that are coming out that feel like a foreign language a little bit right now to me because I'm starting to just make sense of it all. So I actually have a few guests that are going to be coming up on the show talking more about it and their experiences and breaking it down and some brands that are already doing stuff with that so that we can all learn. I feel like it's like that phase right now is like when social first came into light. I remember like back in like 2008 when I was working at Sleep Number and like leading their social and PR teams, like social was such a new thing for brands to be doing back then. And I remember it was like, oh, is it a fad? I feel like this whole metaverse web 3.0 thing is going to evolve like that did. And we're eventually going to be like, oh, yeah, remember when this was like such a new thing and no one understood it and thought it wasn't going to stick around. And, you know, Faith Popcorn was on um, the Real Talk, the Customer Insights show, and she talked about how, you know, brands are saying, well, we don't have to do this, do we? Like, you know, which is exactly what everybody said when social came around and everybody said that yes. when the Internet came around. So I think you got to do something. And I, I actually, I think intellectually I get it. But I don't exactly know yet how to truly implement it. And then I also don't know what the value is. I'll give you an example. My prediction is that there's way more virtual reality going to happen down the road, right? So instead of you and I talking audio only, we might be sitting in the same room, but we're actually wherever we are, which that sounds kind of cool to me. But then I wonder... Why does the listener care that they're in the same room if they just want to listen while they're working out? I think there's some use cases that are a little bit easier to get to. Like, for example, I would love an NFL game to be virtual reality. And somebody says, oh, like sit in the stands. I'm like, no, like stand on the sideline, sit on the field and watch the game. I, that would sounds exciting. So I don't I don't know how all that will evolve. But yeah, certainly that's part of creating that right culture to be excited about change, don't fear it, move forward, try it when it makes sense, and disregard it when it doesn't. There you go. Christoph Trapp from the Business Storytelling Show shared what it means to create a culture that supports content growth, a content performance culture, one that realizes the value of storytelling, 
Identifies how and where you want to deploy it, measure it, and support your team as you all plan for the long term, have open collaborations, and learn along the way. Now, before we finish today's episode, I have a special bonus for you to help improve your content strategy this year. This bonus will help you build stronger brand storytelling plans that connect you with your audience and give you that recognition, growth, and personal happiness that comes from creating really great, valuable work. I've created three quick videos walking you through three ways to improve your content strategy this year. Just head over to kindredspeak.com slash favorites, and I'll send you the three short videos unpacking things I've learned over the last 20 years about how to humanize your brand, repurpose content, and create a group of allies to help grow and align brand storytelling inside your company. Get this three ways to improve your content strategy freebie by heading on over to my website at kindredspeak.com slash favorites. That's kindredspeak.com slash favorites. And if you're feeling like you want even more coaching and mentorship to help you advance in your career, stick around to see if my three-month brand storytelling academy program is the professional development support that you've been looking for. If you're hearing my voice right now, you're likely a brand content marketer and communications professional who wants to connect with their audience through storytelling and is looking for help to do it better, along with the recognition, growth, and personal happiness perks that come from creating great work. What would it feel like to have the skills, confidence, and know-how to advance your brand storytelling results and love the work you're doing? That's why I created the Brand Storytelling Academy, a hands-on three-month group training program designed to help brand content marketers like you attract top funnel leads that drive bottom funnel results through editorial storytelling. For one-sixth of the cost to hire a person on your team or onboard a high-level brand storytelling strategist, you or up to five people on your team can be developing and accelerating your brand storytelling skills this year. Think of it like a college certification program for you and your team, but you get the knowledge a lot quicker and your professor, me, has 20 years of hands-on experience guiding you along the way. Curious? I'd love to hear from you. Fill out the application at kindredspeak.com slash apply to learn more, and I'll be in touch to answer all your questions and discuss if it's a good fit. That's kindredspeak.com slash apply.